Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Ken Cairns, a weekly sports card podcast with lessons he's learned in the hobby and life lessons he's learned along the way. So sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded is the cards. You are now on with Ken. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Sports Card Therapist. I'm Rob Gerard, your Sports Card Therapist, along with... Ken, Sports Card Lessons. <laughs> Ken, how you doing, man? Another joint episode done by us. How's it going, man? It's going well, man. I love this collaborating. I love when we do episodes together because it's uh, just a little more time to hang out. Oh, it's great, man. Absolutely. It's uh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, the good thing I feel like, too, is when when we get together and we talk and we do collab episodes or whatnot, I feel like we're always bringing sup- something of substance, you know, like uh, the thing that I don't like when I listen to content and like kind of like friends get together and link up or like, and we've talked about that because we're going to be dropping Wolfpack episodes, right? Where there's going to be like four guys of the Wolfpack on one episode. And um, we talked about how like, we don't want it to just be like a, a BS session with like a bunch of inside jokes that no one gets. It's like, no, do like, I think when you and I get together, we keep it about the hobby. We keep it about the cards and we keep it about what is going on, not only with us, but on a macro level with the hobby as well. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's kind of what we do on a daily basis too. So if that's just a, a carryover, you know, to, to what, what we record when we do these episodes, because a lot of times this is what we're doing. We're, I mean, we are we are 100% in the hobby, right? We're 100% into the content. Um, we create content. We listen to content. We talk to each other about the content that we've taken in. We talk to each other about the hobby, things we heard, what's going on. So, yeah, it's it's. Um, I think that's what makes this special. I think uh, we're not two guys that sit around and, you know, talk about things that nobody else would really understand, right? If somebody else, in any of our conversations, if somebody else were to listen in on them, they would know if they were in the hobby, they would know what's going on and they would learn a thing, you know, they would learn learn some things too. And I think that's a lot of our interaction. So I think when it carries over to here, uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's nothing that people don't understand. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, man. And um, so, so for me, I know we're going to be airing dueling episodes so that we're going to be, you know, airing this episode on my channel and this episode on your channel as well. For me, this is episode 141. And the name of this episode is called shifting gears in our collecting. And um, so for you, what episode numbers is, is the Monday drop going to be for you? Uh, season two, episode six for me. Wow. So 56 in total, man. So 56, that's a beautiful thing, man. And, uh, you know, Ken sports card lessons, you've definitely been doing your thing, man. Huge fan of your podcast. Not only are, you know, not only are you, uh, you know, absolutely one of my best friends, but we are, uh, fans of each other, which is pretty cool. Um, so real quick, just some housekeeping stuff. Uh, this episode is dropping for me on my channel Friday, January 20, Friday, January 20th. And what I want to say is Friday night. So if you're listening to this in real time tonight, Ken and I are going to be having a um, Instagram live, right? Instagram live. Or are we going to do YouTube live? What are we going to do? What do you want to do? It's YouTube live. Okay, so we're going to do YouTube live. So so um, if you haven't already subscribed to Sports Card Therapist and uh, we're going to be doing YouTube live probably about uh, we're going to shoot for 830 p.m. And uh, we're going to shoot for 830 and we're just going to do kind of our PSA submission reveals. And not that I know if anyone really cares you know, I'm not sure, but I know I actually do enjoy watching people's PSA sub reveals, right? It's like we haven't gotten the cards yet. Uh, we don't know the grades. So that that's kind of it. That's that's an exciting aspect of I mean, really, what is better than getting back? You know, I mean, between mail days and submission uh, mail days, what's better than that? Uh, there, There is nothing. I mean, a PSA order coming in. 
there's nothing better than that. These nice new shiny slabs and and the anticipation of of you know what it's going to be. And you know this is this is one of but two orders that we have out. This is the first order coming back, which is about 28 cards, right? And our next order is almost 100 cards, right? So, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's unbelievable how many cards, you know, that, and that's the excitement. I mean, the mail day, we know, we've, we've studied, we've talked to people, we've looked at, we've looked at edges and corners and we've purchased these cards and whatever, but PSA, you have no idea. You've done your best and you just throw it out there. It's like a child, right? You, you, you've done your best with the child and you put it out there in the world and you hope that, uh, you hope they come back at 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, Sunday, I'm actually going to be going live again. So Sunday, and, and this is perfect because the playoff game, uh, the Cowboys 49ers playoff game East Coast time starts at 630 actually it actually starts early so which means um by 9 30 the game should be wrapping up i'm going to be going live on sunday january 22nd with my good friend nate who is at in cardboard veritas and we're going to be watching the final 30 minutes of the pwcc auction and then we're going to be watching uh, the first 30 minutes of the extended bidding. So we're going to be on YouTube live from 9.30 to 10.30 East Coast time. So please subscribe to Sports Card Therapist YouTube channel. And um, we're just going to, you know, keep that going, keep that rocking and rolling. And uh, I know for me, you know, I want to say thank you to everyone that listened to uh, Participation is Required, my episode from this earlier this week. Um that was, you know, part two, which was a really cool thing. I felt like I was able to do as a part two. And uh, it was a follow up to a season one episode of participation is required. And then you can you had on the uh, a friend of mine and now a friend of yours, uh, Jeremy Lee, you had on your show uh, last week. So, I mean, that was that was a great interview, man. Thanks. Thanks. And shout a huge shout out to Jeremy. I mean, just what a great guest. What a great guy. I mean, we could have talked for two hours on there, three hours maybe. Uh, he was just such a, a great interview, a great guy, and and just a pleasure, pleasure to meet and talk to. Uh, definitely look forward to uh, collabing with him in the future. And, uh, you know, we talked about getting up to Toronto. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to break away for a couple of days, you know, and get up to Toronto to the uh, to the show up there in the spring and, uh, and, and see him and check out some cards yeah man and i know that you had talked about uh told him about being in winnipeg and he said you know what i was actually listen i i heard that podcast that you did and he said i was walking through lax airport as i listened and it's crazy because same thing with me man like i can and and i don't know if everyone's like this to an extent right i i really don't i know that um in certain aspects, I have a complete photographic memory. And in some aspects, I blank stuff out. Like when it comes to music and movie, uh, television trivia, like there's, I haven't met anyone that can beat me with some of that stuff. You know, when it comes to trivia, it's like, I feel like I'm a walking, talking IMDB or a walking, talking Wikipedia page. But, um, so and it sounds like him. He's like, he's like, you know what? I remember listening to the episode. I was walking through LAX. Like he, he walked you all the way right through it. So that was kind of cool. That was a, you know, kind of a peek behind the curtains into what his life was like. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You should say that, that you're, you're so into that. I, I am too. And having kids that were into it too, that were, you know, movie and music, there was, there was never a time when we were all together, um, and we weren't quoting movies, like just funny parts from funny movies all the time, just constantly. And it, uh, you know, as we get into this show today, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, why, you know, why I shifted a little bit in my collecting. And, and these, this is exactly the reason why those things, those little things that, that, you know, just you can't forget when you hear a song or you can't forget when you hear a phrase from a, like, it's, 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 it's like ingrained in you. Like people, you know, I say all the time, my wife could tell me to get something when I'm in the other room and I'll come back from the room and she'll be looking at me like, well, did you get me? And I'm like, Oh no, I forgot. But there's a song that, you know, something happened 
20 or 30 years ago that I'll remember as soon as that song starts, I'll remember. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so, you know, leading us into the topic of shifting gears and our collecting, um, you know, they say you are who you hang with. And, you know, I think, you know, you hang out with someone long enough and I think you start to maybe pick up some of their behaviors. You start to pick up some of their lingo. You start to kind of do things maybe in a way that, that they do things. And I feel like you and I are, are really kind of on that path. Right. And so first of all, before I even get into that, I just want to say, um, this past Thursday night, uh, um, I started up a Twitter buy, sell, trade thread, and this is something I want. I really want to urge you, Ken, and really all the listeners, if you're not on Twitter, to make a card Twitter, okay? Because um, that's something that I've done, and and it took me a while because really you, you start to follow certain accounts, and basically all they do is post a picture of whatever a logo or a design and they're like buy this is a buy sell trade thread anything goes you know or they might have specific rules baseball only or football non-sports cards only pop culture only and then from there people respond with pictures and prices pictures and prices and then you could go down and just scroll through the entire conversation of people making offers or people saying take it I'll take it. I'll take it. Deal. Almost like Facebook groups, you know? And I think that's something that you miss with Instagram because you don't really get that. But so I just started my, um, a vintage buy, sell trade thread, uh, Thursday night. It was a success. I felt great about that. Um, also I'm going to be doing another, um, Instagram live vintage night. It's going to be the last Saturday of January. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm probably going to bring on between five and seven collectors that are going to be showing off some of their things. Um, and so with the shifting gears, right. in our collecting, you have really, and I've, I've noticed a big switch in your collecting and in your buying, but I don't know if that's necessarily just because seasonally, like you've talked about on your podcast, football's, you know, all but done now. So there's really no reason for you to be buying Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or Tom Brady or any of those guys. So is it just kind of convenient that it's not the time to buy them. So now you're switching and buying stuff you really love, or do you feel like you're really kind of stepping away from that prospecting lane? Oh, I'm definitely, you know, getting out of the prospecting lane. Um, you know, as I go and I'm call, I call, I'm really to myself, I'm calling this the hobby progression, right? I couldn't have gotten to this point where I am now without going what I, you know, going through what I did over the last two years. You know, it's it's a hobby progression that no matter how I got here, and I say this for anybody, because I think anybody in the hobby, if you stay long enough, no matter how you got into the hobby, whether you were out and you came back in or you whatever, whatever the reason, I think if you stay long enough, you go through this progression unless you leave, right? And I, th and I think it's just, I've talked to a lot of people that have gone through similar things to myself, but only after I put it out there on my podcast where I said, look, this my new year, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to change directions. Um, even though like hockey's not a big lane out there and music cards is not a big lane out there and, you know, pop culture. I mean, some of it is, some of it isn't, but it's, it's what gets me excited, right? So I've been through the two years in the hobby and there was a big run to, you know, buy what it was always about buying what other people wanted to buy, you know, because I was setting up at shows. So whatever sells, I'm going to buy these things. And what I realized was at the shows for the longest time, it was the, the best money, the best margins would be made on prospecting. You go out and you rip these boxes and you pull the quarterbacks out and you put them, you sleeve them, and you can two, three, four extra money mm -hmm. quick, quick. But it wasn't what was it getting me excited. It was just what was I was able to sell at the shows, right? So now 
Well, um, you were getting you were getting the rush of the flip. You were getting yeah. the you were getting the rush of the purchase. Of yeah. you were getting something that you know was coveted. Yeah. Right. So you were getting the rush of the purchase. You were getting the rush of people stopping by your case and seeing what you had and asking you all about your cards. Um, but, and, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I know there's, there's really two things that you've, you've taught me so many things. Every time I talk to you, you're teaching me something I feel like, but, but really I feel like the two biggest major takeaways that I've gotten, and I know I've probably heard it a million times, a million different ways, but just the way that you said it both times have really stuck with me and taught me something. And you probably know what I'm going to say, but the first one was I cannot set up at a show with cards. I just bought off of eBay and think I'm going to turn any kind of profit because the first thing they're going to do is look up on eBay or they're going to check comps and that's going to be my comp. And you know what? They're going to want it for, you know, 10 to 15% under comps. So that's, that's a losing battle right there. And, and I think that's common sense, but it wasn't until I heard you really worded like that, that it made sense. And the second thing, and this was more recently that I learned um, and that really kind of clicked too, was you, you can go after the coveted stuff, the stuff that people play hot potato with, you know, the stuff that if you buy early, you can make money off of by flipping, whether if it's prospects or the hot quarterbacks or the hot NBA players. But the thing is what people do is they come up to your table and they ask you for all your prices. And then they walk away because what they're going to do is they're going to price check every other table and every other display case in the room. So basically your competition, when you have cards that are the most popular and the most coveted, meaning, you know, like right now, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, or, you know, Curry or Giannis and the NBA, that kind of stuff. When you have, or Julio Rodriguez and in, in baseball, when your case is full of those cards and you've put all your eggs in that basket, guess what? You're competing with every other dealer in that room. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think, really, I feel like that's a big part of the reason why you're really starting to move to more unique things that strike a chord and a nostalgia chord with you as well. Yeah. And, and, and I'll get to the nostalgia in a minute, but the cards, if you notice what I'm buying too, I'm looking for the more unique ones. The pop counts are very low pop one, pop two, pop three, because I don't want seven, eight other dealers in the room to have the same card as me. And I don't give want me an example. Give me an example of a pop four, pop three card that. So that I, have, I have a, a pop two, Josh Allen, that it was a, it's a RPA. And, and I traded into that. Um, I don't know. It's been a month now. Maybe I traded up into that card. Um, See, my concern with those cards, though, is, and I don't, I, I'm going to make something up off the top of my head right now, but I would imagine there's probably at least a hundred different Josh Allen RPAs out there. Yep. Yep. There absolutely is. But there is there and there's higher level level and lower level, but I'm not buying one that there's, you know, that's numbered to that, that card is an RPA and it's numbered to 10, right? So and it's only a the, the the card right now and it's grading is a pop two and there's none higher on that card so the other ones were probably graded because why wouldn't they've graded them and they came back probably sevens or 7.5s and they cracked them back out of the case and you know sold them off as as raw cards and possibly nobody else has ever graded those cards so right now those it's a pop two so so to me that's a card So Ken's looks like Ken's camera just froze a little for a moment. So I think it's probably his Wi-Fi. But one thing that I've realized about myself is that, and I think this is true for a lot of collectors, is that I'm a collector first, right? I'm a collector first that just so happens to set up. So I am, when I'm setting up, I am faced with that struggle. I'm faced with that like conflict of like, what do I put out in my case? 
right? Because everything I work toward when I'm moving cards, I'm moving cards in order to secure PC cards. But by doing that, what I'm doing is I'm truly taking the inventory that I have in my case, like completely out of it. So I do get stuck. I think sometimes even still, I feel like I'm so much smarter of a hobbyist, if that's what you want to call it. But I do find myself still having to buy things that I don't necessarily want to collect because I need something to put in my case. You know what I mean? So I think that's the cool part about setting up is that when you set up, you have people walk up to your table with stuff and it might not be something that you normally buy, but it gives you the opportunity to kind of, you know, be flexible. It gives you the opportunity to try different things. And, and to me, that's really cool. So in terms of shifting gears in our collecting, right? One thing that I realized was that just like anything in life, my collecting is continuously evolving, right? Like time waits for no one. And I almost feel like my PC waits for no one. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like the stuff that I was really buying hardcore for my PC, say a year ago, like the big cards I have behind me, these are big cards I want to hold for a long time. But the thing is, I don't only own six cards, you know, I'm, I'm constantly kind of buying, selling, trading. I'm always watching. I'm always refreshing my eBay watch list. I'm on Twitter a lot recently looking at the vintage threads that people are buying and selling. Um, and I actually took a big step recently because as you guys know, with my round tables that I've had, um, with the round tables, I've it really sparked something in me with wanting on card signed in person rookies and cool cards like that. You know what I mean? Like in person kind of cards. And I have a couple right here and I can't wait to post these on Instagram altogether. It's so funny because I know we've talked about this in the past and um, like how, how silly it sounds sometimes with um, how silly it sounds with like you get cards and you're already thinking about um, how you're going to set them up. You know, how the picture you like, I get so excited to like post a picture of the cards, you know, not because I'm looking for people's approval or anything like that, but I think it's just that I'm really excited to share what I have. That's what it comes down to. I'm excited to share what I have. So just recently I've been buying, and I think I showed this on the last episode and talked about it on the last episode, but I have the Derek Jeter 1993 Pinnacle. Um, on card in person auto, right? So I have that and uh, welcome back, Ken. So I have that. I also recently picked up this 1994 signature rookie, Derek Jeter. So I'm, I'm really kind of leaning into Jeter. And then I also picked up this minor league card of Jorge Posada on card signed auto. So I'm really like leaning into what feels good. I'm leaning into what feels good and what I know I will enjoy years from now. And in order to free up the money to buy some of these bigger Jeter cards or some of these bigger Ichiro cards that I've been starting to buy that I've talked about, I actually started moving some of my Phil Rizzuto PC. And that was a side PC that I had really started up and beefed up probably about four or five months ago. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, they're not incredibly high value cards, right? I mean, I think the most expensive Rizzuto card I had was maybe 300 bucks. So it was, they were all like 300 or less, but I, I, I felt like, you know what? I've owned these. I've really enjoyed them. But for me right now, 
I would rather put that money into some, you know, Ken was talking about low pop count to some low pop count Jeter in person minor league signed autos. I don't know why, but that that's just what felt right to me at the time. So like I was saying, my collection, my PCs, they continue to evolve. It's like life nothing stops everything is always changing and in motion and i don't want to buy my cards just to kind of sit in a box and even if i take them out and look at them if i'm not getting those same feelings from them anymore and i feel like it's time to move on then you know what i'm going to move on from them so um so ken welcome back i know you had a little bit of technical difficulties but yeah a little internet trouble here it's the first time we ever lost internet so i apologize for uh for blinking out but no all good man all yeah. good so yeah i was just you know really talking about how how i've continued to curate my collection and curate my pc and the struggle that i have with setting up as a collector because i'm caught the stuff that i set up with is usually stuff i'm looking to move into pc cards mm -hmm. but as that dwindles down <laughs> i do reach the point where i'm forced to buy stuff that i don't want long term to fund more pc stuff so i'm kind of curious like where where you're at with that whole thing and um and you know yeah so my changing now and and you know i'm very active at the shows so i am starting to sell off stuff and some stuff you know the price has dropped and i talked about this on many episodes the the price have dropped i'm i'm, I'm at where the current comps are and I'm, I'm willing to sell them and then i'm moving into i'm buying you know, cards that I will PC, but cards that I can put in my case. So like uh, this past or two shows ago, I had, you know, some Ale uh, some lower end Alex Ovechkin cards and I had throw the, through, through those in my case and, and priced them correctly and they ended up selling. So I took, took that and then I bought what I talked about was a higher end Mario Lemieux rookie card. So even though I'm at the show and I'm selling certain things and doing, I'm also like working on my own PC. Like I'm okay to sell some lower end to pick up some higher end. And, and, you know, we all do this as collectors. Our minds never stop, right? They never stop. And we're always looking and we see something new. We're like, Oh, I, you know, now I need one of those and I want one of these and, and, and what's important to us, right? To me, that's really what I'm figuring out now. That's, that's my next stage of my progression. What's important to me is having rookie cards of all these players more important than having maybe a second or a third gear auto or numbered or shiny or this or that. You know, what becomes more important What to me and my collection? Because those cards are for me now. Like some of these cards I've purchased, if I sell those cards, if those cards sell in my case, then it's maybe up to a higher end card or something else I'm looking for. But there are certain cards like my Alex Ovechkin PMG card. I am not looking to sell that card. I love that card. I'm I'm going to do, you know, I call it the Rob, right? I'm dropping in my case at a price or no price and just say it's really not for sale. I just I just didn't want to leave this one home today. I, I wanted to have close by at the show. You know, it's like leaving your your pet or your child. You know, I don't want to leave them home alone. I want to you know have them here at the show, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it. this whole progression now, this is all new, right? So I've talked to other people. I'm talking to other people. We talk about it. Like, it, it, if we keep PCing, like, selling the stuff that we really just want to sell and we keep using that money for a PC, at some point, we're, we're not going to be able to set up at a show because we're not going to have anything left to sell, right? So, so to me, the business part needs to stay in there. And I think the... Uh, you know, me shifting gears is going to be with the movies and the music and 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 hockey. So you'll see, I'm I still I'm picking up, and you'll see tomorrow night with the live. I I graded a bunch of um, uh, young guns cards and and hockey cards. So rookie, you know, this is this is probably at the tail end of my prospecting when I was buying these hobby boxes of hockey. And now I'm grading a lot of these cards, but these cards will be for sale because again, they're prospecting, they're young players. And if they become hot, I'm happy to move them. Right. And, and take that money because the real collecting 
for me now is into more of the goats, people that aren't even playing the sport anymore when it comes to hockey. Wow. Listen to that. You going into the goats. <laughs> Dare I use the V word and say vintage or no? Uh, maybe. 79 and earlier that's that's typically what's considered vintage yeah yeah you know i i i talk about it all the time you know i i in the in the early 70s watching you know hockey i mean we grew up watching hockey we had three channels on the tv and if there was a hockey game on we only owned one tv we all watched it right so i mean hockey was really in my blood so there's a lot of players from the from the 70s right on up that that you know I watched play and I know a lot about. And you know what's cool about that is the fact that if you have a nostalgic feeling or or a passion for some of these 70s hockey players that people that probably, I mean, their cards probably cost a couple of dollars. I mean, that's like the ultimate, right? And and yeah. I'll give you two examples. Um, one, just recently, and, and you could probably even see my comp on eBay. I actually, um, I've been like kind of like low-key. I haven't really posted anything because there's not so much worth posting about. But um, Giants. 80s and 90s New York Giants and 80s and 90s New York Yankees. I've just been buying up a ton of in-person signed autos, on-card autos. You know, I've been buying these up for months now, so I probably have hundreds of them now. And um, just last week arrived in the mail, I got 30 New York Giants, 1980s and early 90s, 30 of them on card in person autos um i paid 50 bucks total nice. so i paid like what a buck 75 mm-hmm. per okay. card and i mean there's a bill parcels in there there's you know there's there's you know like that's my childhood you know and so for me to be able to collect these like i just envision myself like having a really cool binder full of all new york giants in-person autos i think about the stories behind these cards getting signed was it a kid at um you know a practice was it you know a guy who makes a living doing these because there's some ebay accounts that i found that um that have about fifty thousand listed listings and every single listing is a in-person on card raw auto you know and and it's like you you know that he's not these aren't fake because you wouldn't fake these players like the players that you're going for like he's selling them for a dollar 99 4.99 a piece like you know you're not going to fake those you know and then you compare it to other autos if you really want to go down that rabbit hole it's like okay this is legit you know but um also today i am and and i posted a um i posted a video on instagram about it i i've been set building 1951 bowman baseball cards now the baseball card set and i just struck a deal with a guy and and this is me kind of shifting gears not only am i collecting but i think the way i go about finding cards right because i think you and me were kind of the same right when we first jumped back in the hobby around the pandemic uh it was facebook groups then i was able to kind of urge you to get on instagram and tell you all about instagram right and now you're all in on instagram so now this is me urging you to get on to twitter and discover card twitter and also through card twitter there are discord groups and i mean i i can't even explain to you what a discord group is basically you download an app called discord and as long as you get oh oh there you go so i've used that yeah yep yep so there are um you know i'm in a discord group and some guy i think i had posted like wanted 1951 bowman commons and like two weeks later all of a sudden i get tagged and they're like someone's like who was it that asked for 1951 bowman's and someone said i think sports card therapist did and tagged me in this discord group and i was like yes absolutely definitely me what's up and he's like this is what i have i have a full stack he's like i have send me what you need so i sent him like my my list of cards i'm looking for and he was able to find 88 cards now this this set is 324 cards 
Wow. So he was so today I received a package of 88 1951 Bowman cards and you know how much I paid for them? Yeah. $3 a piece. And you know what? It was actually less than $3 a piece. Um no, it was $3 a piece. Yep, 3 bucks a piece. Was that the but, same cards you were trying to negotiate at the show in Springfield for? Were those yes. the same cards? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the guy at the Springfield show um, walks up to my table and just has like 50 1951 Bowman cards, right? And, um, but I think we were way off in price. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wasn't, he was, I don't think he was overcharging or, you know, he just believed in what his cards were worth. They were in good condition. They were in, they were, you know, they would probably get like fives and sixes if graded, which for a 1951 is incredible. I mean, this set is 72 years old, you know, um, but he wanted like 20 bucks a piece and he wanted to value it. And it was like, it would have been like 600 bucks. And, and I'm like, you know what? I, I think I'm all set, you know, because I know these are going to come around again. So, and I'm not necessarily looking for mint condition commons. You know, I'm just, I'm looking, I, I don't want, you know, crinkled up commons, but I, I, I wouldn't mind a couple rounded corners, you know? And is that, that's not something you'll grade. You'll just, you'll just build that set. Definitely. Right? Yep. And the thing is, you know, like it's absolutely a passion project for me. Um, I shouldn't say it's a passion project because it's definitely an investment. I think this podcast so far has been a passion project, but um, the 51 Bowman set it's it's definitely an investment you know um i have the biggest card which is the 51 mickey mantle right behind me um i have that the second biggest card is the willie mays i don't have that that's that's not as expensive as the as the mantle um you know i can probably get a pretty decent maze right now for between three and five k if i really wanted to pull the trigger on it um but yeah an entire completed set 51 bowman yeah that's that could fetch a pretty penny depending on the grades of the mantle and the maze for sure. And there are some pretty iconic uh, like Whitey Ford rookie, you know, there's so, so there's some pretty iconic rookies in that set alone. But, um, you know, I'm just having a lot of fun doing this. It's exciting. Get you excited, right? I mean, my, my you know, shifting gears, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I've been just so excited and, and you know, looking at, you know, doing a lot with these music cards, um, I've discovered the American Pie set, you know, from 2001 and 2011. And I've been going through those. And it's just been amazing, like, looking at these cards and, and you know, some of the stuff I talked uh, on my episode um, on Monday of the, ninth, you know, the 1980 Olympics, you know, being, you know, the hockey team, the Olympic hockey team winning gold, just being such an unbelievable moment in my life and here i was looking for cards and here's here's a 19 here's them winning gold and it's and it's a trading card i'm like are you kidding me and it's this and all of a sudden i'm like what is this this set now i'm now i'm like i'm all i'm, I'm all the way in i'm all in on this the new set now i'm going through and there's just such great cards in there um and and you know you, you heard on the interview with jeremy lee talking about anchorman that there's a you know, special, a special version. With, with, yeah, DVD, right? Yeah. So I, I've already bought two, you know, I'm waiting for them to, they'll be shipped, right? So just hunting, hunting. And, and another thing that I'm excited about too, uh, is the women's soccer. Uh, you know, I went down, I watched my first game this past uh, summer down in uh, North Carolina, the Courage. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I've been following along with it online. Uh, with a lot of um, the young players, the 17-year-old phenoms uh, that you know that, that have been drafted or signed over the last year, and I've been able to pick up some of their cards, and I have uh, one, at least one of the cards in, in this reveal we're going to do tomorrow night. So I'm excited about that. But I've picked up a bunch of other cards. Uh, the Trinity Rodman is another one, and I've even been watching that, watching uh, you know Team USA. Now they're doing, they're having warm-up games, getting ready for the World Cup this summer. Uh, there was just a game on the other night. I put it on and I watched it. So all of a sudden, it's like a whole new life with this, you know, this new collecting and these new things. And I'm just so excited and I'm all over the place, you know, right now. I'm just 
really, I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm like a kid in a candy store all over again after two years of being in one lane and now switching and, you know, switching into another lane and, and, and doing some different things. Yeah, it's just, you know, really re-energized me in the hobby. Yeah, and I think this is something that resonates with a lot of people. And I've talked about this before, all right, because there were a lot of people that came in either right before the pandemic or at the beginning of the pandemic, right? And, you know, all most of us, we collected when we were younger. We rediscovered it. We're, we're buying back little pieces of our childhood, it feels like, you know, in our youth. And, um, but our first, when you Google like sports cards or you look up on YouTube sports cards, right? You're going to find a lot of investment stuff. And I think the mindset that people had coming in was, wow, so I can collect and make money and, and try to flip and, and really kind of get back in the game, get the juices flowing. This is kind of cool. And then once you start to realize like, okay, you know what? The market is correcting. Um, people start to either leave or they start to realize like going through the cycles that we're going through, like, okay, like this isn't any fun. I don't want to get left holding the bag on a card that, or a player I don't even care about. So what do I love? And I think the best way to figure out what you do love is to par still participate in the hobby, be active, go to shows, be on Instagram, be on Twitter, be on eBay, you know, and just see what kind of tickles your fancy. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I, when I'm scrolling through these big name accounts and, you know, knowing that Patrick Mahomes has a big playoff game coming up this weekend and I see a guy posting a $50,000 Mahomes card, like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, would I want that much money wrapped up in a card? I would love to have that kind of inventory. But I also have to remember that most of these guys or females that have these massive inventories were in this well before us. Yeah, that, that card could have been just a two or $3,000 card for them, an investment. Yeah. Exactly. Or they just when cards got hot, they already had the inventory, you know, so it doesn't matter who they had prices went up and, and it gets to a point where, you know, and we've talked about this too, you know, when, when we're at a show, if we're having a big show and we're making five, 10, 15, 40 grand at a show and we're turning around and buying a $15,000 card because we had a good show. Like it could almost feel like monopoly money. Like it doesn't even feel like it's real cash yeah. because if I were to take a step back and be like, wow, hold on. I just made 40 K at this show. I should probably pay my mortgage for the next year right now. Like that would be the responsible thing to do. You know what I mean? But it's like, it, it almost feels like play money. And at the same time, you don't want to take yourself out of the game, right? So if you're, if you're setting up or if you're looking to trade, because who doesn't like trading and making deals, right? Like, I think I often think about this, right? I think, do I want to be the guy that 100% only collects? And basically, when I get paid, maybe 5 or 10% of my paycheck each week, I'll buy myself something. Now, that sounds super simple, and that does sound super fun and fulfilling, and it forces you to be disciplined. But I think I would miss being at shows. I think I would miss, like, setting up at shows. I think I would miss seeing people. I think I would miss the art of the negotiation, because you've talked about before, right? Like you are a collector at heart. And I don't even just mean cards. I mean everything, everything from beanie babies to antiques. It doesn't matter. And and you've talked before about how you just love the negotiation, right? And it doesn't matter if it's for a dollar off or a hundred dollars off. It doesn't you like who doesn't love negotiation? I think that's why a lot of us probably gravitate toward like flea markets. Yeah, yeah. It's a dance. 
I talk about this. It's a dance. You go out, you, you, you're going to dance. I don't know. You don't know what you're dancing, but there's going to be a dance there, you know, and, and as long as you, as long as you know all the dances and all the moves, then you just go out and you're going to dance. Right. And then, and you know what, even the people, like even the people, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying this in a cocky way with this dance that I'm the best negotiator because I'm probably not the best negotiator because, you know, I'm in a one of those positions where I don't need to go out and make a ton of money, right? And and I talk about this. I don't need to. I don't need to, you know, negotiate one dollar, five dollar, ten dollars, fifty dollars, you know. And I talk to like uh, certain things of buying cars that I really loved. I didn't ever even comp the card out. I just said, I said, hey, do you know what the current comp is on it? And most of the time, people will pull their phone out and say, well, this is what. Then I'll be like. Uh, yeah, I'll take it, you know, or will you take this for it? That type of thing. But when I'm selling on my end of the table, if it, you've been to my table before and I've sold to you, you're going to get a better deal. You know, if you and I have a good relationship, you know, I see you at shows or we we talk to shows, you're going to get a better deal. So I, I'm not the, you know, I love negotiating, but I love the communication too. I just love seeing the people and being with the people and talking to the people, right? And, and you know, going to these shows, it's more, we get to know. Now we set up in Springfield, like we spent half the day, you know, talking to people that, you know, listen to us or, you know, listen to the podcast or we've seen at other shows, people we've met, other dealers, right? We've walked around or they've come, come visit us. We visit them. It's, it's a whole community. It's a whole community. And that, that's really what we look forward to. Um, and I couldn't imagine you not setting up. I mean, I, th this is probably not public knowledge, but, you know, I know the day before a show, you're so excited. You could barely sleep. Right. Like, like you're so pumped up. Like we had to leave it's at four thirty in the morning and be like, I, I was up like, I don't think I ever slept. Maybe two o'clock, maybe an hour or two. Because you get so excited. I mean, I do. Cool. I get I get amped up. I it's a lot of tossing and turning, man. It's yeah. a lot of tossing and turning, and it's it's just pure excitement. You know what I mean? It's pure excitement because I've you know set up at so many shows now that you know when I'm leaving a show after you know after having a good day and I'm leaving with cards I never imagined I would have acquired that day that's an incredible feeling so knowing I'll be setting up at a big show tomorrow and knowing that I have no idea what's going to walk up to my table or what I might be in a position to buy that's a really really cool feeling it's almost like a drug yeah. you know what I mean and once you start setting up um that feels really good and i think the same can be said too for people that just go to shows to walk shows when you bring cards and even if you don't bring cards just the 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 hunt right just the like i can, of course going to shows is addicting because yeah probably 60 to 70 percent of the cases are going to be the same bs the same stuff that like your your sounds like you're getting out of the josh allen's the mahomes the burrows the herberts like 60 percent of it is going to be that stuff but then there's going to be maybe 20 30 percent vintage which is really really cool but then there's going to be like 10% of stuff that is going to blow your mind that you would have never in a million years thought you were going to see at the show. And I think that's what's so cool about it. And I think that is what can really plant that seed to start us shifting our gears, right? Shifting where we collect. Because a lot of times I don't know that I need a card until I actually set my eyes on it. Yeah, until it created an excitement or sparked an emotion. Uh, I talked about this the last show. I, the guy came up with his case and he put it down and he said, uh, this stuff is so old. I mean, go through it. I don't even know what the values are. See if you're interested in anything. And and I'm going through and going through and didn't even understand what half the cards he had in there. And then all of a sudden I, you know, I came across a card from the 1980 Olympics, right? And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to have this card. I mean, the comp on this card was $8 and you would have thought that I just, you know, found a hundred thousand dollar card that I was able to purchase. That's how, that's how excited I was to, to, to buy that card. So yeah, that you never know what's coming to your table, but it's so exciting when, you know, I used to be like, people say, oh, and you remember, I'd be right next to you say, oh, are you buying? Well, only this or that. Now I'm just like, yes, let me look through your case. I want to see every single 
card in your case. You know, I don't want to miss a thing here. Yeah. And, and you know what? I had that feeling tonight when I got that box in the mail of 1951 Bowman Commons, right? No one special. They were Commons. Um, there was a Phil Rizzuto in there, which was pretty cool because I actually just sold my 51 graded Rizzuto. And then I get a Rizzuto today, like literally the next day. So that was kind of cool. But um, so these $3 cards, oh my God, the feeling I had, I was on cloud nine, cloud nine, just looking at these, flipping through the binder, you know, um, organizing them, putting them all in, filling all these blank spaces, then opening up my Google doc on my phone and being able to delete the cards that I finally just got and shorten this list of that, of my needs list for this set was such a great feeling. I have, uh, I have cards. So when I was moving, I've had cards that I forgot about. I've had cards that I knew I had, but forgot I had Yep. Right? because I'm so involved in everything else. And, uh, I have some cards for you, some stuff for you that, and I, and I was trying to find where they were because, you know, you, of course you pack, you move, everything's in boxes. I'm going through boxes and I'm, I'm opening stuff. I already own like, these are my, it's not even coming in the mail. I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot about this. I have my whole, my whole series of, of the uh, tennis cards, all the PSA 10 tennis cards, all the goats from tennis, right? Just, Oh my God, all these cards. I just completely forgot about them because when they're not displayed, when something's not out, I mean, I knew I had them. And if you asked me, I would have remembered I had them. But when I open a box and, and I'm like, oh, what is this? I get that same excitement. I'm like, oh yeah, these are mine. I own these. <laughs> and I'm happy to own them. You know, it's it's not a it's not a big lane out there in the hobby, but they're mine, right? They make me feel good. It's the excitement of it. Um and uh, it's been interesting finding some cards almost when I jumping back in the hobby and I knew I had graded cards from hockey from the late 80s and early 90s. And uh, because, as you mentioned before, I've been almost a serial collector my whole life of so many things. I had a whole room. I have a whole room with just boxes of stuff that I've collected over the years. So I had to go through these things and that the excitement when I found those cards um, and it wasn't until I moved because I knew I had hockey cards, you know, just regular hockey cards from the 70s that I not not the ones that I bought as a kid. But back in the late 80s, early 90s, I bought a whole bunch of them and I had them boxed up. And when I moved, I came across all those. It was like just mass excitement. And, you know, you look up the comps because mm -hmm. that's what we do. We look up the comps and. It's interesting with the hockey, like the Guy Lafleur and the Ken Dryden and all that. I mean, these are these were people, Phil Esposito. These were, you look at these cards, they're a couple dollars a card. I mean, literally a couple dollars a card. And to me, I'm, my mind is blown because these were just people that, you know, really changed the game the way we know it today, right? Or I should say changed the game then the way the people in the, before the, you know, the, the 80s and the 90s changed the game to what we know today. But, you know, they were, uh, you know, even though hockey has been around a long time, they were, you know, some of the some of the some of the goats of hockey. And it's just incredible how how inexpensive the cards are. So it's 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 nice to be able to collect to buy things that are inexpensive, too. Right. I mean, you were just talking about that with with uh, baseball and and and. Um, you know, like the 51s that you're buying for $3 a card, how good they make you feel. And it's probably even better that they're only $3 a card, right? Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. And, uh, you know, as my PC continues to evolve and continues to, I continue to curate my collection. Um, it feels good. It feels good. And, um, I'm just excited to see, you know, over the course of 2023, what the hobby brings and where my collection steers me, you know, where my heart and where my mind steer me. Um, you know, I'm just super excited about it. Super excited. Um, but listen, before we wrap up, 
I just want to plug again. Um, we just started the Wolfpack Network, right? I mean, I think our listeners have heard us talk about the Wolfpack from day one on our episode. We finally made it a network and we really crewed up and our crew is deep. Um, and uh, definitely give us a follow on Instagram at the Wolfpack content with underscores in between each word. Um, we're going to be dropping new episodes every two weeks on the podcast, not on our individual podcasts. You need to go find us, follow our Instagram account, and we'll link you. We'll be posting the links. Um, same same way you listen to us, right? Whether if it's on uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and it's just kind of something we're trying. And we're going to do... Um, um, specifically unique Wolfpack podcast episodes that you're not going to be able to hear anywhere else except for on the Wolfpack network. So uh, that's kind of fun, kind of see where that goes, you know, see if it turns into anything. You know, it's almost like, you know, a group of friends and we've been friends for, you know, quite some time. And we finally said, you know what, why not let's make this thing official? You know, we all have our own thing that we're, I feel like, really good at doing so and we not really we complement each other well so that's why i think this is really going to work out well just getting to put you know four of us together at a time uh i think just just being able to complement each other and bring you know different content than what we bring on our on our on our solo podcasts and uh you know stuff i think people are really going to enjoy yeah Absolutely. So before we wrap up, Ken, any final thoughts, any last words? We're coming up on an hour here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do have to say, uh, and I haven't said this yet. Uh, and for any of the listeners who haven't listened to your, uh, first, uh, PWCC episode that dropped last week, but when I heard the little piece about Frank Gifford, you talked about that Frank Gifford card and whenever you gave the stats of him in one year, you know, having the longest field goal, the longest punt return, the longest interception for a touchdown. Like he he had all this in one season. The guy played offensive defense. I mean, I was blown away. I, I had to go look this stuff up. I was absolutely blown away that who knew that in the 50s, these guys were, were you know, like you heard these guys, it was a, a two-way player, right? But that this guy could have hold, held all those things. And if you haven't, you haven't heard that or listened to that in your episode definitely go back and check uh what was the name of that episode what did you call it what um you? i think it was just um uh you put me on the spot here uh, building building um a collection not a portfolio yeah 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 with pwcc yeah. and you know i've had a lot of people hit me up and ask me uh you know about pwcc and whatnot and and um you know as of right now you know nothing's happening with me and pwcc um you know i'm just you know i'm a i'm a big fan of their platform and i'm a big fan of what they're doing and and as well as other platforms you know i've i've you know talked to most of the major companies you know that are in this hobby that are in this space and um you know i have a lot of respect for what everyone's doing and i think everyone um Everyone, like you said, has their strengths and everyone, you know, kind of compliments the hobby in a way. And, um, you know, it's just been really fun to do. And I think that's why Nate and I, we're going to we're going to watch a PWCC auction live on Sunday night on my YouTube. And we're going to we're just going to watch it because, you know what, it's something I'd be doing anyways. I'd be watching the PWCC auction anyways. So why not watch it with some people tune in? You can comment, you know, have a live interactive chat and and kind of see where that goes and you know i might do more after that or i might not i don't know but you know i know i know i'm having fun doing it ken so i appreciate appreciate you saying that yeah yeah looking forward to uh sunday night because i haven't i haven't done much on there so uh going on and you know being able to follow along with you and i told you this just being able to follow along will probably help me be able to uh, navigate that a little bit better when i decide to uh to uh jump on there but yeah, it's always a pleasure to hang out and uh, talk cards with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, so for me, every Monday and Friday, new episodes drop. For Ken, every Monday and Thursday, um, episodes drop. And uh, Ken, you're doing great stuff over there, man. So definitely keep it up, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, be on the lookout for some Wolfpack content, I guess. And uh, with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in. Take care of yourselves and your collection. And until next time, be good to yourselves and everyone around you. Take care, Rob.